great time of worship today um, we've had. What a great time in God's presence. Maybe that's a challenge for us all, to every time we come into church, just say, God, I know you're here today, and I'm going to uh, honour you, I'm going to bring you in, I'm going to spend my morning here at church, and I'm going to go out into my Sunday, and whether that's drinking a cup of tea in the garden, or whether that is uh, meeting people, I'm going to bring you with me wherever I go. What a great time of worship together. I'm really excited to be preaching today, really excited, um, and I feel that God has given me a message as well, you'll be happy to know. Um, I have a fairly normal way uh, of kind of preparing to, to preach. So I get, obviously get a diary date, and that's the first panicky moment. Oh, well, there's a date in a diary. I can't find an excuse now. And then I spend some time, you'd be happy to know, saying to God, well, what is it you might want me to say today? I usually, obviously, follow that by just spending some time reading the Bible. I don't just wait till the times I'm preaching to read the Bible. And on this occasion, uh, I was away, as I said, I've been away with work, and I've been reading through Romans over the last few weeks. And it was when I got to Romans 12 that it was like a lightning bolt that God said, this is what you're preaching on. And it's exciting when you feel God say to you, this is a message. Yes. Now, I didn't have the normal kind of equipment in front of me. I didn't have my laptop with me there. So I couldn't instantly start putting notes down. My normal is to throw some bullet points onto a bit of paper and then onto a laptop and then walk away. To pray about it and walk away. Usually for a couple of weeks or whatever it might be. But what I decided to at that point is I would read the same scripture every day of this week. So I read Romans 12 every day. And it's been brilliant. It's been a great way to read the Bible. To keep going back to the same passage and to keep saying, God, what are you saying to me today? I've loved doing that. And in fact, it's something I'm going to do more of in the future of just finding a passage to read and uh, keep reading it every day. So what happened is I got home uh, later in the week on Thursday uh, and I grabbed my laptop straight away. I, I said hello to my family, obviously. Uh, Ruth had spent a week looking after my children on her own, so uh, she didn't quite say hello to me, but I got my children, I got to put them to bed, and then I grabbed my laptop, and I thought, I'm going to throw some things down, and I've got a, um, a Google Drive, uh, other server providers are available, but I've got a drive where I put my notes onto it, uh, I put all my messages I've, I've said in the past, and I put all my prep ideas onto the same folder, I mean, some of those messages I've given have been gold dust. And I'm going to be able to preach other places, so I want to keep them. I don't have to prepare them again. Um, but when I opened it up, there in front of me, in the middle of the page, was a preach on Romans 12 called Living Sacrifice. I said, like, wow, someone's put that there for me. And then I'd look at it, and I realised that I preached that message here 18 months ago. And you, you suddenly think, that's a bit awkward. God's told me I'm going to preach on this, and I've already done that, God. Maybe I was a bit behind at that. But God said to me, no, I want you to speak on Romans 12. So I wonder, who was here at the beginning of last year? And I'm talking more specifically about the 23rd of January 2018. <coughs> Anyone got their Bible notes with them? They took, I know you all take notes in the service. Have you got your Bible notes with you? Can't open them to that day? Good. This is going to be a completely different message then. No, I've actually gone back and I thought, well, what did I preach on? And I've, I've taken the opportunity to refresh that because I think it was a good message then and it's a good message today. I think it's a message that God still wants us to hear. So I've called this one, Still a Living Sacrifice. <laughs> Fantastic. I love reading Romans. Romans is a, is a book that is just full of so much. And I'm going to probably tell you that a few times today. 
But when I look at it again this time, it, you know, there's so much more you get out of it. And I wanted to really see what was Paul's heart for writing that. And Paul's heart was a place he wanted to go to a community in Romans. Now, I don't know about you, have you ever thought to yourself, I really want to go to that church? I really want to go to that massive church. Maybe it could be, close to home, it could be Life Church Bradford. Maybe you've never been there and you've had great things and you want to go there. Maybe it could be Audacious Manchester. It's somewhere I still would love to turn up on a Sunday morning and see what it's like to worship with three or 4,000 people in this big auditorium. It'd be a nightmare to get a coffee afterwards, I'm assuming. But what a great experience. It could be because of the worship bands. It could be because of the audio-visual presentation. It could be because of the way they all seem to have the memo on the fashion sense you need to have to lead a church in that way. But it will be an amazing experience. Now Paul really wanted to visit the church in Rome. He really wanted to go there. Not a way I've looked at it before. But when you read kind of Paul's letters, they're often to groups of new Christians, they're often to communities. Sometimes there are problems, sometimes there are things he wants to challenge. And he write a letter and say, well, maybe I'm just trying to encourage you. Or maybe this thing you're doing, you need to stop doing that and do something different. But Paul, as far as we can see, hadn't really heard of a problem going on in Rome. It doesn't refer to their problem in Rome. He wasn't trying to sort out a major flaw. He just really wanted to go there and spend some time with them. I think he was very aware they'd not had an apostle or a teacher come there uh, to, to spend time with them. And he was still concerned that they fully understood the gospel of Christ. And he was still concerned they lived out both in their own family and to those people in the area that didn't know it. In fact, it says in Romans 1... Um, verse 8 to 15 firstly I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world great way to start isn't it I thank God for you we'd we'd have some great times of relationships in the church if we wrote to each other and said I thank God for you in your church that's another little point Uh, God whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness How constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you. But I'd have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might, ha- might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. If you'd received this letter from Paul, now you'd have heard about Paul in the early church. You'd have known about this guy that's visiting communities, doing amazing things for God, like an apostle right there. If you received that message, you'd have gone, hey. He wants to spend time with us. You'd have been encouraged. You'd have been buoyed up by it. I don't know about you, but I'd never really thought about who the people Paul was writing to in Romans were. I never really took time to say, well, who's receiving this letter? We've all seen the great verses that are in it. But who is receiving this letter? But to my surprise, it was a church that had been established for some time. And people knew about the church. In fact, it says in Romans 1.8, your faith is proclaimed in all the world. This was a church that people were talking about. It could have been the audacious of the day. You know, have you heard about the Christians in Rome? We're talking about that all over the world. 
He doesn't describe them as recent converts either. In fact, later on, he talks about them being filled in all knowledge. That's in 15 verse 14. This letter was written for established Christians and it was a challenge on how they represented, how they understood the gospel and how they lived it out in their daily lives. If you haven't read Romans, I really suggest you do. Or if you haven't read it for a while, Romans is a fantastic book in the Bible. As a bit of a side note, my favourite verse in the Bible is in Romans. I remember when I was a 17, 18 year old lad, I went to Romania and we were all told, you need to take a verse with you. You need to take a verse. Panicked me a bit. Never really had a verse that was mine. But I remember a, a verse in Romans that stuck out and that was Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. Love that verse. Love that truth. And I often come back to that verse time and time again. But it's not what I'm preaching on. It's just an awesome verse. God put Romans 12 on my heart at the beginning of last year. And he has again for today. I think it's a message that's as relevant for us now as it was then. So up to now, Paul has been reminding them of the incredible good news of what Jesus did for them. That's through the first 11 chapters of Romans. He's been reminding them of the gospel. In chapter 12, Paul moves his letter into the bit where he starts telling his church how they should apply the gospel in their own lives, how they should live out their faith. We can learn a lot from this. I read an article, in fact, that said that Romans is the most systematic of Paul's letters. It reads more like an elaborate theological essay than a letter. And all I can say to that is a good job. We have the Holy Spirit to help us understand. Paul is a clever guy, and when he writes, he writes in a clever way. But I'm going to read to you from Romans 12 now. So you've got a couple of seconds to switch on your Bible or to find one of the classic-style paper versions. And we're going to read... From Romans 12. Therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. 
but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody, if it is possible, as far as it depends upon you. Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There is a lot in that chapter. So if you'd like to get comfortable, we're going to take some time. No, there is so much there. And I've read the whole thing. I'm not going to preach on the whole thing. But in rereading that passage over and over again, so much stuff has come out of that for me. But I want to read just verse 1 and 2 again. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Amen. Have you ever listened to a message that someone's been preaching and they have picked out the word, therefore? I've heard this before and I have great pleasure in doing it myself. Can anyone tell me what therefore means? Possibly. In conclusion, yeah, it's like a stop. It's with the next bit. Oh, oh, great. I had Google on my side. You guys are trying not to Google it while you're in church. Google tells me that it means for that reason, consequently. Whenever you read therefore in the Bible, it means they've said something really, really important just before. And because of it, you should take note of what they say next. That's a little tip. If you read the word therefore and that's where you start, you probably should go back a few verses and find out why they've said therefore before you agree to something you haven't really read the bit beforehand. So I haven't covered anything before the therefore. I'm going to give you a two minute overview of the first 11 chapters. Thanks to a great article I found on Bible Hub. The internet is truly a wonderful thing at times like this when you're preparing. Right, in chapters 1 to 8, you've got to bear with me here. In chapters 1 to 8, Paul explains the fundamentals and foundations of Christian faith. He tells them the basic stuff. It's a gospel message which all believers are commanded to share with the entire world. Some of the most popular and precious memorization kind of passages about salvation can be found in the first several chapters of Romans. Great ones like for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Paul teaches about the sinful nature of all men in the eyes of God, justification by faith in Jesus Christ, freedom from sin and victory in Christ. That's chapters 1 to 8. Chapters 9 to 11, Paul explains God's sovereignty over salvation. He also spells out how an individual may come into a right relationship with God. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. What an amazing word. Place your faith and trust only in what Jesus Christ has already done on the cross and making the master of your life. And trust 
He raised himself from the grave, conquering death. His promise is, you will be saved. Chapters 9 to 11. But the next bit really says, what are you going to do about it? Paul has explained the gospel that we all have sinned and need the gospel message. We've all done things wrong. We've all got to that point where we need to say to God, I'm really sorry for that thing I have done. He's explained the gospel message says we can have freedom. We can be set free. He tells us how. Place your faith in Jesus, the promise that you will be saved if you do. He covers all of that and then says, therefore. It's a big therefore. In fact, I wrote in my notes in capital letters and underlined it. Therefore is a big thing right now. That's a big kind of overview of Romans. And then he says, therefore. He says, for that reason. He says, consequently, because of that. He says, if you've just read that, then you should. And he says, if you believe that, then this. Therefore, you need to do this. Everyone on the same page of what that therefore really stood for. His first point and subsequently my first point is about you. If you've heard that message of salvation, if you've heard the amazing truth about Jesus Christ and what he did on that cross, if you know that, like all of us, sorry, I've I've skipped a bit. (laughs) If you know that, that all of us have done wrong and cannot do anything about it on our own, except that Jesus died for us, so we didn't have to, that he took our place and died that we might live. If all that is up here, in here, if that sounds good, because it should, if you have told Jesus you want to be part of it, his friend, forgiven, adopted by an awesome creator God, therefore live your life as a living sacrifice. We skipped that bit, didn't we? That bit didn't sound so so fluffy and lovely. We may have glossed over that bit a bit. So what I want to look at is what does that really mean? Now, if you've kind of read your Bible lots, if you listen to sermons occasionally, you might have heard about things being sacrificed to God. It's generally an Old Testament principle. This usually ends up with an animal being killed in a special way for a religious purpose. This is not what this is saying. You will be happy to know we are not being asked to sacrifice ourselves in that way. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus died that we might live. Jesus died so that whatever any one of us has done, and we've all done some stuff, we don't have to worry about that because we have freedom in Jesus Christ. Amen. The definition of sacrifice is anything consecrated and offer to God. I'm going to help again. What does consecrate mean? I had to keep breaking it down for myself. Make or declare something. Can be typically a church. Can be a, a thing. Make or declare something sacred. Dedicate formally to a religious purpose. That's what consecrate means. So I tried in the way that I do. If you've heard me speak before, I've tried and make it a bit simple so that I can understand and subsequently you might be able to. If you understood it the first time, just agree with me, you need to have it broken down. It makes me feel better. 
To be a living sacrifice is to live in a way that makes me sacred to offer myself to God and dedicate myself to his purpose. To be a living sacrifice is to live in a way that makes me sacred to offer myself to God and dedicate myself to his purpose. Wow. But you know what? There's a small word I missed at the start. And it says to present myself as a living sacrifice. This adds an additional angle. When you present something, you show it. My son loves to take things into school and present them to his class. When you present something, you show it. We see this on the movies. We present Nick Smith, a future star. I need to be seen not only by God, but by all as a living sacrifice. This is not something for my house, for my quiet time. I am to be presented as a living sacrifice. This is a big verse. You can imagine the guys in Rome receiving it. They were doing okay. Clearly, people knew about their faith in God. But Paul said, I'm going to challenge you further. It's great what you're doing. I want to come and spend time with you, but you need to present yourself. You've understood all this. If You need to present yourself as a living sacrifice. It's a challenge for you and me. Do our friends and our family and even our community see us in that way? Living in a way that makes me sacred to offer myself to God and dedicate myself to his purpose. Do the people around me think, ah, yes, I can see that. Remember, this isn't one of those bits in the Bible, and I'm not sure there are many of these bits anyway, that are things you could choose to do. It's not a bit that you go, oh, yeah, I like that idea, I'll have a go at that. This is a therefore moment. This is our response. What we should do after what God has already done for us. When you look at it like that, when you look at the trade-off, it doesn't really sound that much, does it? God has done everything for us when we completely didn't deserve it. He asks us, in return, to dedicate our lives to him. Paul talks about it as being part of our spiritual worship to God. Our deep love and respect for God. Paul goes on to give us the way to do it. I want to stop there briefly and just challenge you to read God's word. If you want to grow in your faith, to know God's love, to understand him more and to know what is expected of us, the Bible is full of all you need. And I'll come back to that. The Bible says in verse 2, I've only done one verse so far, so you might want to get comfortable. I read quite a few earlier. But it says in verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. It's only the first part of verse 2. If you're wondering how you can present yourself to God as a living sacrifice, now there is the money shot. The world is one of distractions and challenges and temptations. To conform, thanks to my Google dictionary, is to behave according to socially acceptable conventions or standards. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 15 to 16, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's hard. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. 
it makes it pretty clear. But I'm not going to concentrate today on what we shouldn't be doing. I'm not going to concentrate on what we should not do to conform to the world. If anybody wants to talk about that, I would love to talk to you about it. Grab myself, grab Sarah, grab somebody else. Talk about what that might mean for you. I want to concentrate on what Paul says we should do. He says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Renewal is the process of being made spiritually new in the Holy Spirit. This is good news. We can't do this alone, but we need to do this. If we want to present ourselves a living sacrifice to God, the Holy Spirit can help us do that by transforming our minds. It can make our minds spiritually new. I want to offer a little more time on that one. If you really want to do this, you only have to ask. Going back to the therefore... And I know I've said this a couple of times already, but it's a good thing to say. If you've heard the amazing news of Jesus Christ, God's master plan of love for us to rescue us, no matter who you are, what you've done, you are loved by an awesome father in heaven who has sent his son to die just for you. So you can be with him. You can live. If you've heard that and you have said, yes, I want that for me, wherever that is now for the first time today, if it is, let me know. Or, if you did that years ago, we are told our response should be to ask the Holy Spirit to renew our mind, transform, rewire it to be shiny and new. The Holy Spirit is there for each of us. As well as the Spirit, we have the Bible, God's Word given for us. If we want to be transformed by the renewal of our minds, we'd spend time with God in His Word, His instruction manual, His letter of love for us. God gave us the Bible that we might know him more. If we want to be renewed, that's a pretty good place to start, a pretty good place to be. Lastly, if you want to help, lastly, if you want help not conforming to the world, spend time in fellowship with God's people. What do I mean by that? Spend time with your family in the church, in the wider church here. Find brothers and sisters that you can be truly accountable to and you can talk and share with. We are called to love each other and look after each other. Talk to someone else about the stuff you find difficult. Find someone you can be accountable to. Pray with someone about the things in the world you struggle with. Again, I spoke about that when I spoke from Isaiah 56 a little while ago, when I talked about stretching out your cords. Find people who you can be accountable to and do life with them. So if you want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Paul goes on to say at the end of verse 2, Oh, sorry, if you want to be transformed, one, ask the Holy Spirit to make your mind spiritually new, to help you with the things you struggle with. Just ask the Holy Spirit. Spend time in God's word. Spend time taking in what God has said for you. Spend time in fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Be accountable to people. Paul goes on to say at the end of verse two, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Took me a little while to get my head around this bit. But the proof of our own transformation will be our ability to test, will be our ability to prove what is right, what is pure, what is God's will. I'm not saying you will know all of God's will. What it's saying is that as we go through this process, as we spend time with God, as we ask the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and minds, as we read his word and spend time with others, we will be more equipped 
to know what God's will is and what is not. We become more in tune with God. As Christians, we will still face the same temptations. We will still have the pressures of the world around us. We cannot wrap ourselves in bubble wrap. In fact, we're called to do the opposite. We're called to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. You can't do that wrapped in bubble wrap. But if we want to go out with a renewed mind, we are equipped to know what is good and accept. I'll say that again. But if we go out, <coughs> excuse me, if we go out with a renewed mind, we are equipped to know what is good and acceptable. That is so key. The Holy Spirit can give us the strength we need to overcome any things we face. I'm just going to summarise. I want to read that first two verses again. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of the things he's done for you, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what, is God's, what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. It's a big therefore. The gospel of Jesus Christ is an amazing message of God's love for us. If you're sat there thinking about it, if God is talking to you, if you haven't yet made that step of faith and said, Jesus, I want the message to be true in my life. Can I urge you to do something about it today, right now? Do not leave if that is true for you. We would love to pray for you. If you have accepted Jesus into your life, I know there'll be a few of us that have, now or many years ago, then that therefore is for you. It's for all of us. That therefore was written for you. We are called to live in a way that makes us sacred, to offer ourselves to God and dedicate ourselves to his purpose, to be seen not only by God, but by those around us as a living sacrifice to God. To do that, we need to, to not conform to the world. We are told to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. Ask the Holy Spirit to make our minds as new. Spend time in God's word. Spend time in fellowship with people around us. Be accountable. Through this process, we will be equipped to know what is right in God's will. To know what is acceptable and good. Amen. If anything there has challenged you, if anything there... You maybe want to speak about, maybe you want to, to pray into any of those things. Please stop afterwards and pray with us. Please take some time right away. But can I challenge you to go away from today, to welcome God into your presence and to start that process of being transformed by the renewal of your mind. Ask the Holy Spirit for his help. Father, I want to thank you for the truth. I want to thank you for that you sent the Spirit to help us. Thank you that we do not do this alone. But we do this with your help, with your love. Thank you that you, that you did that thing, that you died for us to take away our sins, something we could not do. You bridged the gap for us. And I pray that as we realise that truth, we also realise what the therefore is. That you want us to dedicate our life to you so that others might see that amazing truth, Father. We pray for opportunities. We pray for a, a, a passion to do that today, Father. Amen. Why don't we continue in worship now? And if we're able, let's finish by singing again.